the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Welcome back. <clears throat> wow. Got a frog in my throat. <laughs> Hey, if you'd like to uh, I'd call in today, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And, you know, somebody called and said that the radio shows weren't being updated on my website. I didn't actually notice. And uh, so we're going to try to get that fixed. We'll get those old shows back up there uh, at some point in time. And today we got a great show, I think. I mean, I like it. There's a bunch of material that I spent a long time researching this week, which, uh, oddly enough, I've had more time to do. <clears throat> and I think it's really going to help people, especially when they're trying to decide how they want to invest. Um, what is the most efficient way to invest your money? And so that's, that, that's kind of a big deal, especially with interest rates being so low. Now, they're, they're pumping a lot of money into the economy, a lot of money, and they should be. And that's actually, I think it's a great idea. But the uh, ultimately, it could lead to slightly higher than normal inflation when this is all over. And could lead to an inflation rate, I don't know, maybe 4 or 5%. Yeah, that would be pretty uh, high relative to what it's been over the past, or at least what it, uh, it would be high relative to what the government has been reporting. <clears throat> I'm from that camp now that uh, I don't believe anybody. <laughs> so the government statistics, I mean, if you know, if, if you owed trillions of dollars and got to pick your own interest rate, how much would you decide to pay? W would you be willing to pay a whole lot more unnecessarily? I mean, 1% of a trillion dollars is 10 million bucks. <laughs> that's extra. That That's extra that you're deciding that you're going to pay out of the kindness of your heart. Yeah, so I don't know. For me, I'd probably keep them pretty low. And, and anyway, feel free to, if you have questions, you can go to my website and contact me there. I get a lot of questions. It's pretty funny. Well, actually, I get a lot of contacts, and people forget to fill out the question part. So it says, I have a question, and there's no question. <laughs> so I have to email and say, Take a chance on bothering somebody. Um, what kind of question do you have? And you, you feel free to send them in. Uh, I'm uh, I never share people's 
personal information. We're not allowed, actually. So um, your name's not ever going to be mentioned on my radio program or to anybody else unless I have it from you in writing that it's okay, which is really kind of strange because unless you have a joint account, um, if your spouse has an account and you're not, we don't have a letter of authorization, uh, I can't actually answer any questions about it. That that's highly uncomfortable at times, (laughs) but most of the time it's fine. Anyway, what I wanted to do, I wanted to point out, I, I've got this, um, the, and the older I get, by the way, the the more uh, this has become important, uh, and that's looking at you know individual stocks versus investing in funds. When I was younger, I thought you know individual stocks was the way to go, and you, actually it was a little easier then. You could make more money investing in individual stocks. Today. That's gotten a lot harder over the past 20 years or so. It's gotten significantly harder and mainly because computers are coming in and the movement towards professional money management has been very large. And the movement over the past eight to 10 years has been largely in um, algorithm based investing. That's basically computers are running the money and it's been very successful. done better than it ever has prior to that point in time. Uh, but successful is a, uh, uh, I guess, definition that everybody has in their mind themselves. Mine is that you made money. That, that's, that, that's being successful. <laughs> now, did you make the most money? Probably not. There are too many categories or too many funds out there, and they're constantly changing positions there are certain types of investing that, that have actually dominated over the past five years. And everybody always projects that out into the future as if it's never going to change. And I'm here to tell you, it's going to change. I don't know when. If I knew that, I wouldn't be working. I'd know exactly which which investments to make. And I would just you know go about my life without worrying about having to show up and work every day. So would anybody else. Now, there are a lot of people that think they know that, and a lot of those people are going to be in for a rude awakening. Why? Well, because they're going to invest in stuff. They're going to put too much money in it. You've got more than 5% of your money into one particular company. You are a huge risk taker. You are. And sooner or later, you're going to find that out. I've got some hard examples of companies that everybody thought couldn't miss. And a lot of them are have done very well since the time period when they've done poorly if you lived long enough to see that through and you didn't panic and sell. And that, that's kind of a, a big deal. This is why funds are a good way to go. Now, this is all going to tie in together a little bit later in the show, but I'm just going to start by giving a few examples of companies you probably are familiar with, but you may not have known how long of a period they had gone through without showing a profit. So if you'd invested in the stock, the share price, now some of them actually, I, I take that back, some of them paid a, a dividend that's very, very small. Most of these stocks, I tried to avoid stocks that were paying large dividends. And so there would be, in some of them, there's going to be a slightly higher return. But I think when you hear the results over the time periods that we're looking at, you'll Agree, yeah, that's not enough to make up for that. (laughs) 
In fact, every single one of these stocks has dropped a minimum of 40%. That's a minimum, 40%. Most of them are down more than 50. And most of them, and they all took more than five years, more than five years to recover. The vast majority of them were 10 years or longer. Now think about that. People say you're a long-term investor. Really? Have you ever heard of a company called Amazon? The only people that don't know who Amazon is is the ones that are the ones that live in the Amazon. <laughs> the Amazon. <laughs> but Amazon's share price peaked in 1999. It dropped 95% and took ten, nearly 10 years to recover. So I hear people, when they see the chart of Amazon, it that 95% drop looks so small and they see the big recovery. Oh yeah, that was me. I, I, we should have done that. No, you're kidding yourself. You put, let, let's say you had $10,000 in there and now it's worth 500 bucks and you didn't panic. <laughs> no, you, you panicked. And then it took nearly 10 years to get back to that price that you had paid for it. Nearly 10 years after being down 95%. Now, this is my point. And Amazon, by the way, is one of the best performing stocks in the history of the universe. One of the best. And it went down that far. (laughs) I'm going to get off of Amazon right now because I had a load of these. (laughs) Disney. Share price peaked in 1999, didn't get past that point again until 2012. That's Disney. Mickey Mouse, ESPN, all the kind of stuff they do, Disney. This is a great one because people have been looking at Walmart over the past few months going, hey, Walmart's doing pretty good. Yeah, Walmart's share price peaked in 1999, only went down 40% and managed to stay below that 1999 high price until 2017. (laughs) And that's Walmart. Again, one of the greatest companies that's ever existed. Here's one that you'll really love. Apple. Apple's share price peaked in 1987, dropped over 50% more than once, and took until 2004 Get back to that level and stay above that level. 2004. That's 17 years. That's nearly 17, nearly 17 years. And, uh, how you like me now? <laughs> Intel. Intel share price is selling below the high price it reached in the year 2000. What year is it again? 2020? They started paying a dividend, by the way about halfway through that time period, but not enough to make up for the share price drop. Microsoft. Microsoft, one of the biggest, most successful companies and still growing, still successful. Microsoft's share price, I can't even speak this morning. Microsoft's share price peaked in 1999. And it took, that was Funny, my uh, watch heard me talking and started talking back. <laughs> anyway, Microsoft's share price peaked in 1999, 
and took until 2015 to recover after being down more than 70%. Again, 16 years, Microsoft. You know what one, do you know what the common theme to all this is? There isn't one. You got a retailer who was a regular old retailer whose share price peaked long before the internet uh, would have peaked, or has peaked, hasn't peaked yet. Actually, the internet's still growing strong. So Walmart's added all that internet stuff that you can come in and pick your stuff up. And its share price peaked before that the internet actually peaked and stayed there until 2017 from 1999 to 2017 Disney. Again, it's not a Disney's probably more of a, uh, it uses a lot of technology. Actually, there's no business around today that doesn't use a lot of technology. So I guess you could probably classify a lot of stocks as technology based companies, even though they're not Amazon is definitely technology-based, but they're into so many different things. And that's one of the uh, things I like about Jeff Bezos. That guy's done an an amazing job of building businesses. He's got several different businesses under the Amazon name. But uh, Coca-Cola, I don't know, did I already mention that? No, I didn't. So Coke, things go better with Coke. Everything except the share price, which peaked in 1998, and it's slightly below that level today. 1998, and it went down by more than two-thirds. Okay. Now, they pay a dividend, too. So if you added all the dividends over the last 22 years, you're only slightly negative. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. You're slightly positive. But, the, uh, but think about that. That's a long time not to make any money. And so I'm, I'm just not a big believer in buying and holding. Now I've got uh, two more here. I have Amgen. You may have recognized Amgen, a biotechnology company. The share price peaked in the year 2000. Didn't stay above that level again until 2012. 12 years. One of the shorter ones, only 12 years. 12 years. How old are you going to be 12 years from now? Are you going to be happy to be negative in a stock that you purchased 12 years from now, if it's still negative. Most people give up after a uh, couple months. <laughs> anyway, it had two declines of more than 50% during that time period as well. Ford Motor Company selling 80% below the high price it reached in 1999. So Ford is selling less than it did in 1999. What year is it again? GE. GE share price peaked in the year 2000. And it's only down 80% since then. Uh, so something that you should probably realize, these companies come from multiple, all different types of industries. All different types of industries. So it's really not, it, it's it's a condition of the stock market, not of these individual stocks. It, it's going to happen. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is there's a whole lot you can do about it to avoid that happening from you, uh, to you. You can avoid this. And we'll talk about it. I've got to take a real quick call. Do we have time before the commercial break? Okay, well, I'm going to go real quick. Adam, you're on the Bulletin Capital Report. 
Hi, good morning, Bill. I just had a quick question about a stock called BG Foods, BGS. Okay, I'll actually have to look it up uh, when no problem. we're actually getting really close to a commercial break in, uh-huh. uh, when that comes up. That did come up on one of my momentum scans, by the way, not that long, uh, not that long ago. So I have a new service. I can hold. Um, sure, if you'd like to. The, uh, I have a new service I'm uh, trying to get used to, and it uh, gives everything you ever wanted to know about any company that's publicly traded. And it's called Icon, and it was from Reuters. Reuters was purchased by this company. And uh, I have to sign in. And uh, during the commercial break, I'll try to try to pull it up. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, the food companies, well, they're all getting hit right now because distribution's uh, a lot lower than it would be under normal conditions. But uh, I did get some really positive stuff, though, on the uh, developments of the coronavirus and, and what they're thinking about as far as the, the pandemic and how much longer it's going to last. So that's good. If uh, most of these companies, once the demand is allowed to come back, this is what makes this different about other recessions. Most recessions occur because banks lend too much money irresponsibly. Uh, those loans go bad and the banks have to slow lending down. And it chokes the economy. The credit is the lifeblood of the economy. And when you when you slow that down, everything starts to wither away. Hey, Adam, i got to take a real quick commercial break. Hang on there, and we'll come back to this. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. back. You're listening to Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can also catch this show as a podcast on 955thefish.com. Uh, you can get it on my website, Bullington Capital. It actually hasn't been updating for, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I think it's probably the website company is all working from home, but the uh, it is available on iTunes and um, uh, you can click the link on, on iHeartRadio. I forget. <laughs> anyway, Adam, are you still there? Yes, I am. So this is interesting. Um, the uh, B&G Foods, uh, the symbol is BGS. It's a holding company. They manufacture, sell, and distribute a portfolio of shelf-stable and frozen foods across the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. I was interested to find out. I just uh, I didn't know who made this. It's funny. They make cream of wheat. That was one of my uh, favorite foods when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. They also do cream of uh, rice. Uh, spring tree. Let's see. There are uh, a lot of names Ortega. that you. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I I had no idea. <laughs> Clever girl. Yeah, I like the portfolio. I'm just concerned about the dividend 
if they're going to be able to sustain it because it looks like the payout ratio, they're using 60% of the earnings to pay the dividend, and I'm not really sure where the rest of the money is coming from to cover that. Yeah, well, actually, they've got different things they can do. Um, and looking into the – I'm just going to click on the financials really quickly. But uh, and these are reported. Let's see. I need the income statement. <laughs> oh, it's going to take me uh, a long time. This is a new service, and I have to look everything up, uh, so it, uh, it's a little more uh, difficult than, than normal. I was attracted by the yield, but now I see it to be the prices went up. I mean, okay, but at some point, I just wonder if the bottom is going to fall out, if investors fall out because the, they cut the dividend. Yeah, I don't know. Um, in fact, that, that that normally that happens, but... Nothing's normal anymore. So I, I, <laughs> right. you know, I, I would look at people are probably looking out over the, the 12 months before the pandemic started having an impact on the company and assuming that they'll get back to that level relatively quickly. But you never know. And uh, this is uh, you know, what I was talking about earlier, too, with s- stocks being so volatile. Uh, I'm not so sure people belong in individual stocks anymore unless you have an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of courage. Because I'm looking at this stock, and in 2007, it was 14 bucks, And in 2008, financial crisis, it gets down to $2.54. <laughs> that, that, that's a big drop. I mean, that, that is huge. Then it goes all the way up. To let's see here, what's the high price there? I am working handicapped. I believe. Yeah, I got fifty-two eighty-four was the highest price it traded at, and then just recently, it was as low as ten dollars and thirty-nine cents. So, and everybody thinks, oh, that's just that stock. No, that's kind of all stocks. (laughs) The stocks that I was talking about earlier, they've all had fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty percent drops, and those are some of the biggest, most successful companies in the entire world. So uh, that my point about stocks in general is that they're really volatile. I mean, really volatile. So uh, putting it, and oftentimes it doesn't make sense. The share price will often drop because some something was misperceived. There was there was some bad news out there. Um, that wasn't true and it'll go down or people overreacted to it or a big multi-billion dollar fund decided to liquidate and had to sell all of its positions. I mean, there's so many reasons that a stock can go down. You just can't know why. Yeah. At one point it was 50% shorted the outstanding float. Well, that's what you saw reported. Let me tell you something. That number changes by the second. Uh, it literally changes by the second. And I used to try to look into that stuff. I, I beat my head against the wall for a couple of years <laughs> uh, until I, you know, because I, I did it a couple of years. That's how stubborn and ornery I am. <laughs> uh-huh. And and I just realized the numbers, by the time we get them, they have all changed. And all you need is one or two big shorters to cover, and that sucker will go up a mile. <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and, and then if he's the only one that's covering... It, it may come right back down. You just can't really know that stuff. And that, that's one of the reasons that uh, I'd rather use math to 
select stocks. And this would meet the criteria on a lot of the value-oriented funds that I hold uh, in several different ones. But as far as they're able to, it'll take me a little while. I'm going to have to go back in and because and, I'm new to this service and find the income statement, find what their payout ratios, find how much cash it's actually generating and how much, uh, what a percentage of that cash is. And then the management, management has a, a lot to do with that. They uh, they may end up even borrowing from their credit lines to pay dividends out. You, you really don't want to see that uh, because if you're not if you're not earning the money that you're paying out, you can only do that for so long, you know. So that was my question, and I didn't. I'm glad you clarified that. How you feel about that? Right. Yeah. Okay. So well, I thank you very much. I, I I enjoy your show a lot, and I I don't try to overthink any one stock. If it doesn't make sense, I move on. Yeah, that's good. That's really. I good. really enjoy. I you know you do people a wonderful service just by being on the air, and I'm sure a lot of other people look forward to listening to your show. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Thank you, you both. All right, bye. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm the only one listening. <laughs> but uh yeah, by the way, we uh we advertise a lot on the fishes, uh on nine five five the fish, because it's a sister station, it's owned by the same company, Salem Communications. And it's it's a very good I would recommend highly that if you're uh, a business out there. Uh, and you want a very good client base or you want to talk to your clients, uh, there's a pretty good chance they're probably listening to that station at some point in time during the day. It, it's just a very positive, uplifting. Uh, it, it's been the best advertising spend that I've ever made in my business. And uh, so that says a lot, I think. And I used to, before I did this, I sold advertising services and advertising space in a magazine and we competed against radio, television. We also had direct mail and telemarketing. So the, uh, we covered all the bases. And then, uh, I saw this company called Dialogue and Dialogue was the predecessor to Google, one of the predecessors. And when I saw that and I saw that you could get everything online, I was, I went back to my management and said, uh oh, <laughs> and uh, they didn't believe it. The uh, but you know it's all changed. Everything has changed today. But I think the uh, ROI, uh, return on investment, when you're looking at uh, uh, the fish and the stations over here owned by Salem, very good, e- extremely good, particularly for the price point. So anyway, that's my plug for uh, Salem. And um, poor guys, there uh, uh, the company itself, well, all media has been uh, really reeling over the past few years because of things like YouTube, Google. Um, you've got streaming services. It's really changed the landscape pretty significantly. So it's good to be able to find something that uh, that actually works and reaches people and um, helps you stay in touch and, and build your business. So, yeah, anyway... Um, I think I got through all the sample stocks. Yes, I did, that I was going to talk about today. And my point with all that is that you just can't really know the future with a high degree of accuracy. You can have an idea. And when a company, let's say a company, if I didn't know who B&G Foods was, I looked at their numbers and it looks like they're profitable and it looks like the share price, the valuation looks pretty good. Now, I'm, I'm, I'll get into that in future shows. 
You don't have to be a rocket scientist and you don't have to be an expert at financial statements to basically to do a quick valuation on a company just to determine whether or not it might have some potential. And that's really what you want to do. You want to get to the point where it doesn't take you that long to be able to reject an idea. Uh, Why am I saying to be able to reject an idea? You don't want to waste your time. You don't want to spin your wheels looking at companies that are not going to make good investments. So there are a few... That that should be pretty obvious to you. I, I hope I don't have to explain that. Why do you not want to spend a lot of time on a company that's not a good investment idea? Why would you want to be looking at that? That's what I'm uh, trying to save you from. Now, if, if you're one of those, and I know some people, they just they just can't give that up. So um, they really need to uh, invest in funds. Uh, they won't, by the way, and, and I'm not going to try to convince them otherwise. Yeah, because you just can't. And uh, um, they're going to do whatever they're going to do, but I'm going to be out here. Uh, I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to try to help those people that are looking for help. And if you don't have an advisor and you're looking for one, give me a call. No problem. This is basically, I'm actually a little more animated in the studio than I am in the office, so I hope I don't bore you. But uh, <laughs> reality is a lot of this stuff is not that difficult we make it way more difficult than it needs to be. And there are a lot of funds out there that uh, are relatively simple. They generally have good track records. The simpler they are, the better they have a tendency to do. It's unbelievable how that works, but uh, but it does. And so becoming familiar with that, understanding that you know when you take a, a stock and it's an individual stock and you're looking over the past, well, you're looking at from where it was at, at the bottom to the right-hand side of the chart and it's gone up a lot and you're not looking at all the other years, you're not looking at it correctly because it'll go through those periods again. They all do. All stocks go through very, very long periods of underperformance. And that's why you, in a fund, if the company's still profitable, if it's still growing, at some point in time, that share price is going to become attractive again. Okay, so it was... Maybe it was really attractive when you bought it and it goes up a lot. Now it's not so attractive. Then it goes down a lot. Now it's attractive again. And if you just sat there, not only did you miss the opportunity to take a profit, now you're going negative and you're not adding to it. You see how hard that is? <laughs> and there are some stocks that have only had 40% declines instead of 50% or more, which I'm sure makes you feel a whole lot better. When you're only down 40% and you've got a big chunk of your money in that stock, the, uh, um, and it takes 10 years or longer to recover from. And people don't know. So they just kind of, they just kind of avoid that. You know, they just kind of, they really ignore it. And that just, uh, it's not good. When you get to the point where you, when you're in your 50s and you're looking at maybe 15, maybe 20 years, before you retire, you can't afford to not make any money for 15 years. You can't afford that. So, and even if that stock goes on to make a big bunch of money, you know that stock, if that does happen, it's going to be in funds. Funds are going to hold it. Why? Because there are more funds than there are stocks. And some, some of those funds are going to be holding that stock. And the safer route is to have a fund that holds a lot of stocks.
Why? Well, because first of all, it's adjusting when the share price, and, and a lot of them, they buy it when the share price is going up. I'm not a huge fan of that. It does work. Uh, it's bumpier. And some of the funds I have, by the way, they do that. But a lot of them are looking at the valuation. And they're making the decision based on what is this thing worth versus what it should normally be worth? Or what is it worth in relation to what other stocks are selling for? And uh, now there's a, there's, a, there's a problem with that particular philosophy. I'm not that fond of that one. Although it, if you give it a long enough time period, it does have a tendency to work very well. So, But the bottom line is that when you've got a fund and the fund uh, is actively managed, like one of the funds I'm, I'm really fond of, I'm really fond of this fund. It's a uh, um, fund that picks stocks that have good financials and they're defined by value line. It's ranked number one or two for financial safety the value line ranking system. Now, if you know, want to know what that, if you want to know what the ranking system is, go to valueline.com and start reading. But it's a high quality. And then they look for companies that are paying above average dividends. And then they take 50 of those stocks, the top 50 by dividend yield, and they invest equally in them. And they rerun that screen once a month, making adjustments on an ongoing basis. Why do I like that? Because the adjusting point makes me feel better. And it's had a very good track record. And it's got a yield. It's about 50% higher than the yield on the S&P 500. So that's pretty good. And especially when you get to retirement age and you, uh, you, you know that dividend stocks, dividend paying stocks, especially those that are uh, conservatively financed, have a tendency to bounce back a little quicker. Not always. But... They also have a reason to go up, not just because it's the, the biggest. That's, that's what market cap waiting is. Let's just put the money in the biggest. Yeah, that, that works for a while, and then it, it'll have a 10-year or 10 or 11-year negative time period like it's had. It had from March of 2000 to March of 2009 uh, was a bottom. That was nine years that you'd have been down. You'd have been down 50% in a fund. That's because that fund wasn't as broadly diversified. And there are others, they're not going to make as much money when they go up, but they won't lose quite as much when they're going down. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I'll be back in a couple minutes. To anyone walking down a hard road Worn out with blisters on your feet Shattered, doing your best to hold it together With no prayer to pray and no song left to sing well, everybody's got Hey, Bill Bullington here. Air, air, well, I'm here every Saturday morning. <laughs> I just can't speak today. Yeah. Anyway, I'm here every Saturday morning, 11 o'clock. WHK. This is also carried on the Fishes podcast website, and you can pick it up on my website, BullingtonCapital.com, or iHeartRadio. You can stream it. Um, I'm going to go to the phones right now, and I'm trying to think. Yes, it was Phil was first. Phil, you're on the. Uh, is this is this Uncle Phil? This is Uncle Phil. Oh, all right. <laughs> Took a guess. <laughs> how you doing, Good. How are you doing? Good job. Good. I'm good. Nobody's sick. 
Oh, that's uh, good. So give me your opinion on uh, the QQQ versus the eco-weighted QQQE. Um, I would actually have to look both of those up. It's been a long time since I've looked at them. The QQQ, I okay. believe, is it's a NASDAQ 100. Uh, and, right. I, and I think it's market cap weighted. Um, yep. And uh, I, I, in the long run, I'm a bigger fan of equal weighting than, than uh, market cap weighting. But market cap weighting oftentimes will win like four or five years in a row. You know, it'll outperform it. So um, I, just off the top of my head, I would say just put a little bit in both. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, good. That, that's and the second I'm, thing is what do you think about FVD? I love it. Frank David Victor. Yeah, I love that fund. Yeah. It's a good the, fund. Uh, yep. It's, had, it's been really close to the, uh, uh, actually, yeah, really close to the returns of the stock market, even after all fees, but its dividend is, is about 60% higher. Gotcha. So that's good. pretty good. Yeah. That's all I got. Oh, all right. Well, hey, have a good weekend. <laughs> Stay safe. And yep. uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for calling. Take care, pal. Yep. See you. Bye. And I'm going to go to Walter. Walter, you're on the Bullington Capital Report. Yeah, Bill. Um, I just uh, was looking through. Um, I got the uh, Warren Buffett's annual report. Mm. And he talks about, uh, I think we talked about this before. He talks about the mega catastrophe hitting. I think this is before, you know, all this pandemic stuff hit. Right. And uh, he talks about how it's coming, you know, <laughs> kind of like a doomsayer, you know. And I think he's thinking more like earthquakes and tornadoes, which still might come, you know, by the way. Sure. And um, he was talking about the mega catastrophe coming, and he says uh, that they're going to get hit. He says very big, you know, because he has a lot of insurance companies when that happens. Right. And uh, his point is, unlike a lot of insurance companies, we have the resources, well, it won't strain us that much. And his uh, uh, conclusion is is that when that happens, he says, even though we're going to get hit big time, he says, we'll be buying businesses the next day. So right. he's kind of, I'm sure he's been buying a lot, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is, you know? uh, he's he's probably going nuts over there. Oh, I imagine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, he talks about, uh, I think this is kind of uh, humorous. Uh, he talks about the qualities it takes to be a good investor. Right. And uh, he has kind of rules. You know, he says you don't need um, a degree in economics or any college degree. Right. Exactly. Uh, he says uh, uh, some of the qualities you need to be an investor, in fact, core qualities, he calls them. Number one, the ability to ignore Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. Number two, the ability to ignore the media. Right. Three, uh, the ability to look unimaginative for long periods of time. Right. And four, the ability to look foolish for long periods of time. <laughs> he says no. if you can master all those, you're right. a good investor. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what I was talking about earlier in the show. Those those great companies have gotten kiboshed over time, but see, they weren't undervalued when they went down. That's the part that I uh, I was going to get to next week. And if you looked at valuation, like he bought Coca Cola right after the market crashed in 1987. So his return on that is still astronomical, and I know he just didn't want to pay the taxes <laughs> when that stock peaked in 1998, and the amount of dividend that he gets from that uh, is substantial because he's been such a long-term holder. Now, my question is, 
you know, that I don't know that that's still good enough for a younger investor who doesn't have 15 times the money they invested in a company. So even if it does go down by, you know, 60%, it doesn't really matter. He'd made so much money on that that, uh, you know, he just, it's a, he's going to, it's a permanent fixture. But uh, I don't know that that's the same thing that uh, other investors can do, especially when they don't own businesses completely like like Berkshire Hathaway does and gets to keep the uh, cash flow that's coming from those businesses. And they're all, so he's constantly reinvesting. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I was looking at what, why he has done so well. In fact, they show his, um, his uh, record over since 1965 compared to the S&P. His current record is 20.1% return over uh, 54 years. Yeah, but if you look at the last 15, um, it's a lot more. It's less, you know. Uh, and the S and P was ten percent, you know, right. uh, yep. which is pretty good too, you know. Oh, big time! Um, uh, By the way, point, the S and P wasn't that hard to beat back then. <laughs> the uh, there weren't that many people that that knew what they were doing, and and to try to get information from a company, you got to you get a, a quarterly report right before the next one was about to be published. <laughs> yeah, um, he has a thing uh, for uh, you know, in reading about him, he's big on retained earnings. He's yeah. big on. Uh, 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 companies uh, not giving all their money in dividends, even though he collects them from companies, uh, and uh, reinvesting that money to you know expand. Sure. You know. Yep. Yeah. He's real big on that. Retained what? earnings is a huge uh, principle what? for Buffett. That's because he uh, pays a lot less taxes that way. Yeah. True. Uh, but uh, here's the thing: I was looking at my own portfolio, modest as it is, and I was you know. I think these times when things get hit so hard in the stock market, uh, it's good to notice what didn't get hit so much. And the one group that stands out in my, you know, uh, stock selection is information companies. I'll give you an example. Moody's uh, has done well. It's, it's uh, hold its own. You know, uh, S&P Global uh, is hold its own. Uh, VeriSign, you know, a lot of the information companies have – you know, not re- they got hit a little bit in the beginning, the initial, but they bounced back quickly. Well, they did. They did this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah, and that might be uh, you might be onto something there. I'll have to take a look into that. So, but I'm actually going to have to let you run because I got to get going. My show's almost over. Um, but I will definitely take a look into that because uh, that that's pretty interesting. And and uh, along the lines of what you're talking about, Warren Buffett's always been a big proponent of looking at the company. What do they do? You know, how do they make their money? And it looks he likes things that are simpler, not more complicated. Right. And right. Uh, that's a that's a big deal and very profitable. So he looks for companies that have big profit margins. Yeah, for return on equity. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, it, it's still it requires an enormous amount of patience. Like you see some of the common stocks that he holds, and they fluctuate like crazy. And uh, he's just, you know, he just hangs in there. But he, when he buys them, you can bet he's getting a pretty good price on the company because he'll stock them. He wrote about that a long time ago, too, how he would follow a company that he really liked and wait for the market to sell off, and then he would swoop in and start buying shares. So yeah. that, that takes an enormous amount of patience and time. <laughs> right. But, uh, but, hey, thanks, Walter. And uh, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll carry this conversation on again uh, next weekend. Okay, then. Thanks. Have a good week. Take it easy, Bill. You, too. Bye. Bye.
And I, I just, uh, the reason I have to hurry here is I've only got a couple minutes left. And I did want to read an article that came up on the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, and the article is a, uh, the bearer of good coronavirus news. Okay, so this uh, good friend of mine sent this to me this morning on a text. And I was like, oh, that's good. I'll use it at my radio show. Anyway, here we go. Defenders of coronavirus lockdown mandates keep talking about science. We're going to do the right thing, not judged by politics, not judged by protests, but by science. California's Governor Gavin Newsom said this week. Mission Governor Gretchen Whitmer defended an order that, among other things, banned the sale of paint and vegetable seeds, but not liquor or lottery tickets. Each action has been informed by the best science and epidemiology. Epide- I'm sorry, epidemiology. Council there is. I just stop and think about that. <laughs> she wrote in an op-ed. But scientists are almost never unanimous, and many appeals to science are transparently political or ideological. Consider the story of John Ioannidis, a professor at Stanford School of Medicine. Sorry if I messed your name up. His expertise is wide-ranging. He juggles appointments in statistics, biomedical data, prevention research, and health research and policy. Google Scholar ranks him among the world's 100 most cited scientists. He's published more than 1,000 papers, many of them meta-analysis, reviews of other studies. Yet he's now found himself pilloried because he dissents from the theories behind the lockdowns, because he's looked at the data and found good news. In a March article for Stat News, Dr. Ioannidis argued that COVID-19 is far less deadly than modelers were assuming. He considered the experience of the Diamond Princess cruise ship, which was quarantined February 4th in Japan. Nine of 700 infected passengers and crew died. Based on the demographics of the ship's population, Dr. Ioannidis estimated that the U.S. fatality rate would be as low as 0.025 to 0.625 and put the upper bound at 0.05 to 1% comparable to that of seasonal flu. If that is the true rate, he wrote, locking down the world with potentially tremendous social and financial consequences may be totally irrational. It's like an elephant being attacked by a house cat. Frustrated and trying to avoid the cat, the elephant accidentally jump off a cliff and dies. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Dr. Ioannidis, like 54, likes metaphors. A New York native who grew up in Athens, he also teaches comparative literature and has published several literary works, poetry and fiction, the latest being an estuary novel in Greek. I hear the music. I'm not going to have time to finish this. Maybe I can go get to it next week. <laughs> anyway, he's saying it's not as bad as it seems, and I think it's a good read. It's in the Wall Street Journal. Thanks, Mike, for sending that to me. The, uh, I hear the music. That means I got to go. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.